Blog Talk Radio. Great joy and good afternoon, my friend. The Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming, centering your mind and delight on the art of the CEO. The show that brings you the wisest counsel and most fascinating people in the business community from all around our terrestrial orb. I am Bart Jackson, your Hieronymus Bosch of business. And strap on your wavering hips, pour a glass of your most elegant Bordeaux, bring in the dog, put out the cat, turn out the light, and get your laughing hat on. This very day, your seething brain is about to be swarmed with a bumptious stream of vital tools and helpful ideas and novel perspectives on your career and business adventures as you and I, hand in hand, plunge into our 300th anniversary program of the art of the CEO. Yes, my friend, today marks our 300th episode of the Art of the CEO radio show, which it has been my privilege and delight these last six years to deliver unto you the today's most foremost business leaders who share their strategies and their blunders and their unique personalities. So celebrate this grand occasion with us, and we have culled through hundreds of guests and thousands of inventive ideas and incidents and examples, and we've run them through our distillery, uh, yes, to bring you the best and funniest of the business experience uh, all to help your business, and more importantly, to help you grow into the kind of individual that you're striving to become. So stick with us because we have prizes and we're making a brand new announcement later on about the show about how we're going to make the art of the CEO more responsive to your business needs. And my friend, you don't want to miss that opportunity. So pull up your chair and join us at this exceptionally rich feast of wisdom, all carefully cuisined to make your career thrive and your adventures flourish. And that said... Uh, Let me now dig right in uh, by first providing you with a few answers. So many folks have stopped me on the street, tacked me by the ankle, thudded me to earth, and asked, why do I always say that I am your host, Bart Jackson, your Hieronymus Bosch of business? Well, actually, I chose this icon, or rather this soulmate, the Fort Hieronymus Bosch, he was the 14th century Flemish painter because, well, he just sort of seemed to fit Bart Jackson's own approach to the world of business. Hieronymus was what you'd call today terrifyingly disruptive, while the rest of uh, Renaissance artists were grinding out weepy and adulating depictions of various biblical scenes. Oh, Bosch was painting pompous prelates with ravenous beaks being devoured by even more ravenous hellions. It was all shocking, but totally delightful. His every dab of the brush was laid down with humor, and humor that laid bare the inner universal meaning and delivered wisdom, all glumping in on the back of a four-humped camel. Uh, He was powerfully individual, completely iconoclastic, filled with laughter, and delving deep into those hidden regions of humanity. Not a bad mentor, and that's why I adopted him. So, to see some examples of Hieronymus' work at its best, best, just visit bartsbooks.com, that's B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S.com, and click on HBOTCH. And maybe there's a new perspective for you to bring back to your office or your life. What do you think? And secondly, several folks uh, keep asking me, where in heaven's name, if that's the place, uh, do 
I find all the material for Bart's business quips? Where do they come from? And I must confess, they spring from the Stygian swamp of host Bart Jackson's own laugh-riddled brain. So let this, let, let's let, let make this our first helpful business tactic. Look for the humor in all things. I've always said that the greatest wisdom flies in on the wings of laughter, and it does so because humor forces you into a new and, and a more thoughtful perspective. So, um, let's see. Now, when I quip, there's a fine line between posting on social media and shameless bragging. Oh, wait a minute. No, there's not. Or, <laughs> I love that. Or, I say, an entrepreneur is half doer, half dreamer, held together by the duct tape of stress. <laughs> or, I say, marketing is the art of pinning pears on an apple tree and selling them as exotic. I, to, to get these, I had to climb, and actually I got the one about the apples and pears on my own uh, orchard, but I had to climb a 300-foot ladder and take an overview of social media and entrepreneurs and marketing and see what's really going on with each of those. And so looking for the humor uh, forces you to face a greater, well, at least a newer truth. Humor is a way of knowing, like art. And finally, when I climb down and I share that quip, I have, in, in the easiest way possible, I've built a community of understanding. So when I say, the only difference between piracy and taxation is the size of the army that collects it, every taxpayer in the room sort of briefly nods his head and this sense of community gets built. Think of the value of that. Think of the value. So I invite you to find the wealth and the humor of your business and your life. And after all, you heard about the attorney who had no sense of humor, don't you? He lost his appeal. Ooh. Uh, as Custer said, they can't all be gems. Anyway, if you would like to arm yourself with some quips and to share, uh, with the, so you can share them with some of your fellow chain gangers at work, just visit bartsbooks.com and pick up your copy of the 101 Best Business Quips or the 102 Best Business Quips. And right now, brand new announcement, look for our latest book, uh, In the Words of My Wife's Husband. Radio Rock and Tour, Bart Jackson's Wit, Truth, and Gleeful Tales. This is, uh, well, it's a it's a jovial volume. It compiles all those wits, the parting shots, and the jokes, uh, and the fascinating tales from the Art of the CEO radio show, plus a lot of other scribblings of my, alas, very incorrigible pen. So, just a thought and an offering for you all. But let's now move on to those who are so much wiser, uh, so much, uh, well, more helpful. Uh, let's turn to those true business masters who have graced our show over the years. And we want to give everyone uh, every, every, everyone a coverage here. We want to have some tactics for entrepreneurs and leaders and marketers and communicators. Uh, everyone gets their turn. But based on the art of the CEO's title, how can we start with anyone other than let's turn to some distilled wisdom for our CEOs. So, uh, and of course we have to kick it off with first a quote, and the CEO quote I, I chose for this is comes from, uh, well, one of the world's most successful CEOs, Amazon's Jeff Bezos. He said, there are two kinds of companies, those who work hard to continually change and those who work hard never to change. We intend to be the former. 
I I like that, and because it makes you analyze yourself. So take a look at that, see where you come in in all of this, and see where where you lie. And uh, maybe you don't need to to, change, to move from where you are at all. Just a thought. And so the quips that go with CEOs is this is my favorite. Uh, being a CEO is less of a learning curve and more akin to stepping off a ledge and being expected to fly. <laughs> uh, and uh, another one is, second quip, is a corporation is a group of men and women assembled to support the vision and rectify the actions of its CEO. <laughs> oh, too off, too true. Uh, but let's let's look at some some of the thing, wisdom we've gotten from some various shows for uh, the poor beleaguered uh, and uh, CEO. By the way, when we looked when I wrote the book, The Art of the CEO, the two big things that CEOs said that just overwhelmed them that they never expected were number one, the sheer complexity that is the number of items they have, to have on their plate, and the second was how much time they spend on funding. Well. As a way of standing, uh, helping through all of this, let's the the first one that came to mind, the uh, first aid for the CEO comes from Joe Paris, uh, who lives in Frankfurt, Germany. Uh, but uh, he came to us, uh, came to our studios, and Joe uh, Joe's show was called armed and ready, getting prepped for opportunity. And what he does is he takes on the old military term, a state of readiness in his book, and he brings it into business. And he, the idea is to make sure that you are, that you're armed for innovation, that you've reconnoitered changes that you must make, that your competitors are making, and you've seen what's out there. And this means setting up number two it means setting establishing active search teams to see what's out there not just grinding out the product people who do this who look at this and the third thing he he talks about is you need to uh when you're looking at the possible at being ready and making sure you are you need to surround yourself with what he calls outliers these are the naysayers the people who look at things differently you uh I remember my father in his own business had a fella by the name of Ray Rule who couldn't uh, – when my father said it was a nice day, he Ray said, no, it's not. Look at those clouds over there. The guy couldn't say yes to anything. He wouldn't sign his own stay of execution. But he was a very, very valuable individual in the decision-making process. And speaking of that, Joe Paris says you've got to develop a corporate decision-making process, and you've got to constantly work on honing that time. Who decides what, where does it go, and so forth. And while we're speaking of decision-makings, I want to turn to a gentleman who came on our show, uh, Joe Rigby. Now, he's the former CEO of Pepco Holdings, and he is one of the original Horatio Alger stories. Joe had two jobs in his life. One is a farm. One was a farm laborer, which he held for ten years, and then he joined Pepco Holdings and worked his way totally up to the top of CEO and chair. And what he said was, and uh, for the, his advice for the CEO was, and I love this. Don't he says, I judge my accomplishment by not how many decisions I make, but how few. And if you think about that, my friend. How many – we all are good at delegating work, but 
Are you able to delegate your decision-making, or aren't you strong enough to do that yet? You better get strong enough. And I ask you to think about that one. By the way, Joe, I've also got to tell you, the, one of the reasons he was able to delegate this, Joe, when he took over the job, he had a vision. He also had 20,000 employees. He started a roadshow and literally saw every single one of them in, in, in relatively, remarkably small groups, and he pushed this and had them decide on it. Everyone was invested in that vision. It's a marvelous example. I, I, I'm not saying everyone can do it, but I'm saying you certainly have to get that spirit in, in you. He went group by group with a whiteboard, saw them all. I don't think he saw his family much while he was doing this, but by heavens, he certainly made a family out of his company. And now here's a, a came up uh, for advice for CEOs, came from just two remarkable attorneys. Um, and uh, number one, uh, well, actually, it was the show, I should tell you, was called Growth Strategy to the Max, A Tale of Two Women. And these are attorney partners, Roseanne de Torres and Aaron de Georges. They ran the de Torres and de Georges family law firm. And we invited Roseanne on to tell us how she'd become one of the fastest growing firms in the state and actually in the country. And what she had done is she and her partner, they dissected each aspect of their business as it was, and they tweaked it to fit the customer needs. It's one of the best self-study and makeover examples of business or of any venture I've ever seen. What uh, uh, They used data, for instance, to discover their choice of locations. So they shifted locations. Uh, they found a place that was particularly divorce and trouble-rich. It just happened to coincide with one of the wealthiest areas in the state. But they so they moved to where it was. They, uh, adver they She started literally with the parking lot and what the customers saw, what they came in there with, what they, uh, what was, what did the office look like? When, what was our phone greeting like? What did every written word, every picture on the wall, everything was designed to get the customer was to put the customer at ease, to make them feel that they were in good hands, and it was. A, they, they use both data and common sense, a nice and a, a last too seldom used blend. And so take take a look at that show. I, I can't cover it all here, but Growth Strategy of the Max, A Tale of Two Women. It's nice, really just a, a good, thorough job. And a uh, couple more things for CEOs. Number one, uh, we had a show called Tough uh, management calls. That was a kick. And we, uh, Mike Griffith, who was a serial entrepreneur, he's head of uh, CEO of several uh, pharma firms. He he said uh, in dealing with the board, he said, "Give." I always like to give the board five or six problems ahead of time to nosh over. It's not too many and not too few. And I always thought about this. Anytime you're running a project, you're calling a meeting together. No. Know your issues and give. Make sure that you've got the right number. It's not there to solve the entire venture all today, but do it. Get those five or six problems out there. You have to consider not what you need to get solved so, so much as what the group can handle. And um, by the way, if you're also thinking about boards, you might want to turn to Thomas Bagel. He's an author called Claiming Your Seat at the Boardroom. He did a nice show with us. But uh, the, think about that. And think about when you are running something, how many 
uh, how much can they handle, and what's the decision-making project? By the way, uh, a note a note from the host: meetings are are two things. They're where, they're where things get decided and get done. So if you wake up one day and decide and, and realize that you've been uh, shuffled off to Idaho to handle a plant that you never heard of because you missed the meeting. Well, son, whose fault is that? But the second thing, the second purpose of meetings is to show how absolutely marvelous and capable you are. Let's be be honest. Your ambition is on the line at each meeting. So don't doze off. Rather, look at each little, look, if there's an agenda, look at it. Scribble down two or three phrases you'd like to have down there. Change it all. Anyway, uh the CEO of Wawa, Mr. Howard Stokel, uh, was uh, in our top CEOs New Year's resolution show, gave uh, the final thing for our, our CEOs. This applies to everyone. He said, personally pilot one risky venture. It helps you remember why you plunged into business in the first place. And there's, there's two parts of this. Number one, I think as a CEO or, or any of us who are leading anything, we tend to get remote from uh, – the real action, and he said, personally, pilot, take uh, take that spaceship on its craft manually and steer it out there. And the other thing is that all of us need one risky venture that we something that scares us just a little. And uh, one of and while we were talking about meetings a, a while ago, I've got a, I, it just brings to mind an anecdote that from one of our previous shows, Randy. Friedberg is probably um, I don't know he is he is the best IP attorney on the planet and he uh, he runs meetings beautifully he has just enough bossiness to set himself up as an authority excuse me Randy but he also is just so darn good with his suggestions that you don't you you can't deny him you listen to what he says because he's cotton picking right and we had him on the show. Uh, dealing with IP, just just uh, look up Randy Freeberg at theartoftheceo.com. All of these shows, just visit theartoftheceo.com. There's all our episodes. You can hear us on several other stations, but go to that to get all the shows we're talking about today. And Randy Randy Freeberg show uh, was was great, and he sa- he paid me a great compliment. He said, you know, legal writing can be very very. Uh, dull and dry. So I always try to keep a copy of Bart's uh, Best Business Quips book, and I slip a couple of these quips into my briefs uh, when I'm writing them. And I I couldn't resist it. I I turned I answered turned back to Randy in the studio and I said, Well, Randy, it's really nice to know that my quips are getting into somebody's briefs. <laughs> Oh, God. As I said, as Cecil Rhodes said, they can't all be gems. What is it now? So uh, let's let's roll on a bit. And let's turn now to the business. uh, I think the CEOs have had more than enough uh, being belted and taken to the cleaners here. Let's let's turn now to something that's, that's even more important than that, is the business of you. You... The, the veterans who've heard uh, my shows before know that I always say that you are gifted with the title and privileges of CEO of yourself. And since that's really the most uh, important decision, you'll, uh, I'm sorry, the most important title you'll ever hold in your career, will this be the day 
And the, my favorite one that I followed up with, will this be the day that you dust off your dreams? That you look at that thing that you've wanted to do? C.S. Lewis once said in the screw tape letters, I had the people in hell arriving and saying, not only did I not do what I shouldn't have done, I didn't do what I wanted to do. May this never be said of you, sir or madam. May you do at least what you want to do, dust off that dream. Or, you know, or will you be continue to putting out the fires of daily routine? The, the choice, my friend, is, is truly yours. But uh, after after all, um, I've always... Uh, so. But, but if we're going to talk about the business of you, we have to kick off with a few quips. So uh, to understand yourself, here we go. Number one, quip number one, if you truly believe that you are a self-made man, you have doubtless botched your creation. <laughs> and that one, my friend, is very self-explanatory. And quip number two, if you really, really get serious about everything that you do, well, you probably won't enjoy yourself any better than anyone else does. Uh, lighten up, my friend. And number three, for you business folk out there, nothing is uglier in business than naked ambition best to cloak it in a love of hard work. And the quote on the business of you, uh, my, my favorite quote of all that we've used on the shows concerning you personally is, adversity makes men, prosperity makes monsters, said Victor Hugo. I have a terrible feeling that we're living in an, in an age of prosperity right now. So, uh, <clears throat> at any rate, um, I just want you to remember that uh, um, that after all, you're going to working hard on your life. Uh, working hard when your life depends on it is sensible, but working hard when only your dreams depend upon it. Well, my friend, that's joy. So part of it is let's turn to yourself. And uh, there's an old hippie thing that was uh, in a generation that was, said, "I want to find myself," and this is probably one of the most practical investments of time you can make. Says who? Says famed business psychologist Dr. George Watts. He was on a show. He did a show for us. We're so blessed to have him. Called "Reaching Your Peak." staying on the summit. Now, what George does is he has personality attributes and types, and he sends you off searching for your strengths. You, uh, and rather than things that need to be repaired, you, you don't need a makeover. George sends you searching for your strengths. You define your personality by those traits toward which you naturally lean. And he gives you examples. And he also brings so you find if you are uh if you are outgoing if you are exuberant if you are uh if you're good with details whatever it is he finds he 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 asks you to find those strengths and he says use employ them but he also says remember that each of the of your strengths has what he calls a shadow side so if you are a great consensus builder you may tend to shy away from making those swift, unilateral, self-made decisions. If you're a great visionary like uh, Elton Musk, who bravely never says no to a challenge, well, you may not have the objective wisdom to know when to say no to a challenge. <laughs> so find your strengths, 
know this and realize they have a shadow side and then let this frame your your hiring or or the people that you gather around you as when you want to get something done and find the detailed oriented person find the outlier the naysayer find the person who is uh if you are very good at executing uh, find the person who is quick, who's quick with ideas, but doesn't necessarily um, doesn't necessarily uh, fulfill them half as well as you do. Use your strengths, but use others. And to, to really to, to find the best way to do this, you can visit uh, the show on Dr. George Watts, uh, "Reaching Your Peak," saying of the summit, or you can also visit uh, and and take his course, his online course, at toplinetalent.com. And I suggest both of those for you. And uh, we had uh, one of the one of the people we had. It was sort of a, a departure for us. I I'm, uh, was a fellow named Aaron Edelheit. He is an author and head of Mindset Capital. And in his show, here we are fostering all these things about getting going and enlivening yourself and. Uh, Bustling along with great alacrity of spirit and cheer of mind as you were wont to have. Well, Aaron says you need to take a hard break. He was a brilliant financial fellow who literally ended up weeping in the shower uncontrollably one day from overwork, but also working too hard in one very narrow groove. And it was a it was really a very enlightening show uh, because he did more than just say lift your nose from the grindstone of production. He medically proved why you need a full day away from whatever your main line of work, your major emotional commitment. You need a full day away from that. You, you need a Sabbath. He's not saying a religious Sabbath. It may be for you, but you need a day not so much of both rest and difference. And you you need it for your spiritual and sensible reasons, but you also need that 24 hours to flush cortisone out of your system. Uh, you can't do it with a, a two-minute um, meditation. Your body has its own timetable and rhythm. Anyway, I, I it was a... Uh, it was a great bit of advice, and it was back. It's backed up beautifully, and uh, so moving moving from uh, inertia to most inertia, uh, <laughs> uh, we have uh, on another show. Uh, it was called Sea uh, Sweeters Challenge New Summits. Literally, this was a marvelous woman that uh, we met. Julie Lewis uh, goes by Jules is a mountaineer and a worldwide adventurer. And what she does, she takes business leaders uh, on worldwide expeditions. She shoves them up Himalayan peaks and far into deep jungles. Jungles, and she is the the ultimate consultant and experiential consultant coach who helps uh, develop what she calls corporate oxygen. And she dares you to risk and. Uh, venture, but one item that really slammed home with me was that Jules says, "Make all of, set your sights, whatever you're doing in life, make it a possible, make it a positive action and goal." When when I uh, connected with her one one morning in Manhattan, I asked her what she'd been doing, and she responded, uh, "Well, 
I was doing my workout, and I gathered two of my friends, and we danced down the avenue for an hour and together. And uh, she, she uh, lives in Abu Dhabi, but she had come to New York. And uh, the fact that it was, was Manhattan did not bother her at all. Uh, they danced as if no one was watching. They sang. They sucked wind and had a much better time than than those people whom we see on the grinding their life on a treadmill, negatively fighting fat. The, root, the moral, my friend, is don't labor to avoid, labor to attain. Let me say that again. I just love it. Uh, don't labor to avoid, labor to attain, to get something. Think of the both purpose and goals. They're separate. The purpose is what you want to do, what you want to become. The goal is those landmarks that you set for it. You lose uh, – 10, 10 pounds of ugly fat, uh, or 150 if you're getting a divorce, but um, you lose 10 pounds of ugly fat to uh, why? Because you seek to be a more alive and vigorous self. Uh, think Goldberg. But And the final thing for yourself, this one is from one of the most spiritual and thoughtful gentlemen we've ever had on the show, and in the case of the artist CEO, that is saying a whole lot. His name is Mr. Mel Duncan. He is a head of the nonviolent peace force, which drops unarmed peacekeepers into war zones to protect the civilians. He is a gentleman of great courage and great spiritual strength and great belief. And he says something that I beg you to consider. When he never, he, I asked him, Mel, I, I ask every guest, by the way, would you please pronounce for me your name as you'd like it pronounced in the air? And he said, my name is Mel Duncan. I never say that I am Mel Duncan because I am so much more than my name. Pause. Take that in. And this is exactly what I have tried my, my, my own self in my own blunderful way in our book, CEO of yourself, that you are a marvelous self. If you don't see yourself as marvelous, you're either not looking in the right rooms of your house, or perhaps you're standing in the shadow of someone who's blocking that vision. But you are marvelous. Take a trip around the warehouse. You are so much more than your name, than your title, than uh, creative director, than marketer, than whatever you are, what are given by someone else. You are so much more. Choose your name, choose your title, but remember what you are. And someone who truly knows who she is and where in heaven's name you should be going. This is, oh, she's an absolutely delightful, clever person. Karen Jacobson, she came on our show. She is, uh, well, I, uh, she was on a show I called the most obeyed voice in media. When Karen Jacobson gives an order, 500 million people understand her saying recalculating. <laughs> Karen is that Australian accented voice on your GPS. And she's by far and away the most popular voice on the GPS. And what was so interesting was that she uh, she told us how she, she got this gig. She came to New York uh, from, from Australia to be a singer and did very well, but she got this gig 
to be the voice on the GPS. And, and I can't explain it all here, but go to that show. Go just for, or Karen, uh, Karen Jacobson or GPS Girl. Go to that show and find out how the the scientific creativity of how they got her voice on onto all those GPS systems is a marvel. But what I really liked, what was so much fun, Sharon, uh, Karen did something that is so much uh, was, was so admirable. She took this one gig of the voice on the GPS. She turned it into a lecture series. She has a voice recalculating your business. She has. Uh, she's put out books she has uh, a dietary program she has expanded all this using this single platform something I uh, suggest you all take take note of because it's, it's a marvelous example but in the end I found that she had done this uh, one record uh, called Destination Christmas she was coming out with an album and I looked down the line and there it was there was my favorite favorite carol is called santa baby and it is somewhere between lascivious and salacious in uh this lovely lusciously voiced uh siren wooing santa down through the chimney uh and it is fun it's hilarious and i said to her karen i adore this if you sing two if if you sing santa baby for me I will give you two of my best bottles of Cote d'Aron. Well, she says, I love wine. Stand back, baby. And she sang it, and I melted. And yes, I did indeed go to her uh, place, and I gave her two bottles of Cote d'Aron. So it always goes to show that if you, if you dare a little, you, uh, <laughs> that uh, life can be certainly worth drinking in. So, and... Uh, we are muddling along here with great alacrity, and I wanted to. I think that right about now is a time to take a, a brief, uh, a mid-program sorbet from our feast of wisdom. And so, before we can, uh, blunder on with our uh, recollections of the art of the CEO, which is which is the, the most fun program ever to hit radio, by the way, uh, allow me to take this brief sorbet and tell you that we're going to make some changes, as I promised you earlier. We launched The Art of the CEO for you, the person who enjoys the challenge of business and who wants to do it a little better. And to do that, we have brought you the true masters of business. And so now we are going to be altering our format a bit to get to your needs more directly. We're asking you, listeners, to send us your challenges, your problems. Uh, we, we, by the way, we, we business people aren't allowed to have challenges anymore, uh, problems anymore. They only have challenges. Yeah. Anyway, the things you, give us the things you need to conquer, the places you want to go, the obstacles you got to blast through. We are going to be assembling a panel of experts to help counsel and advise you. Uh, most of them will be on the radio. We have some television outlets, but we will be we will be with this show. We are going to bring you uh, more experts at once to get something specifically. Why are we doing this? Because we figure if you're struggling with this problem, there's probably a lot of other people who are struggling with whatever you're going through. We've had people say come to us and say they would really like a common sense approach to invest investing. Uh, 
pushes away all the hoopla and hype from the 24-7 financial reporting system. We have had people say, I want to find, so I'm trying to find self-direction, and such as you talk about in the CEO of yourself book, and can you bring a, together a panel for that? These are the kinds of questions that we will be answering for you. I invite you to take a look at this as, as we move forward. And uh, let's just remember that uh, to send your deaf digits tapping to info at bartsbooks.com. That's I-N-F-O at Bart's, B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S dot com. And if you want to just talk over the phone, uh, mention that. We'll talk through your problem. We'll arrange that. And we'll help you work through to get the right people for the best problem. We have, quite frankly, Scarlett, the top talent in the planet available for such a vast number of problems. And just looking through our shows will tell you that. We want to share it with you. Give us a chance. All right? Thank you. And there is one other thing before we turn back to uh, – it is a form of a recollection. We had on the art of the CEO in a process, we are always in a constant line of discovering. We're searching out the new, the best, the most fascinating folks for you. And as it turned out, I discovered in the, in the middle of this that there were a, a, a great number of people out there who were doing, who were just benefiting mankind, who were pouring their great expertise and their whole heart and soul into helping mankind. This led us to found the Prometheus Social Enterprise Awards. You may have heard me talk about these on other shows. Uh, on September 19th at Fairleigh Dickinson, Uni Fairleigh Dickinson University's Rothman Institute, uh, with the help of Dale Caldwell, we gave our First, Prometheus Awards, and I've got to tell you, the whole group there was stunned that there was this much positive, energetic chat talent making a change in our lives. There are there. Ladies and gentlemen, I invite you now to go to bartsbooks.com, click on Prometheus Awards. And there you are going to find the Torchbearer Talks. We had six of our eight award winners there giving talks. It was inspiring. You need to listen to this. Your children need to hear these talks. The person who watches only the headlines or, or watches only the, the nightly news and just looks at the, the depressing headlines all from this Hearst, this cursed Hearst model of journalism that we're stuck with, you need to lift yourself beyond that. You need to prepare to be uplifted and astounded and, and find these rays of hope and these new role models for life. And these new role models are out there. We're going to continue this. So go hear the Torch Bear Talks. And then if you find somebody that you think qualifies, you let us know. You send that name to info at bartsbooks.com because we're looking for more. We're going to keep this going. We're going to keep the rays of hope coming your way. You need this hope. And there's not a lot of media giving it out there, but by heavens, we are for your sake and for the sake of our culture. So will you do that for me? I, please, I hope so, my friend. Now, moving on to the mainstream of our jovial caroling 
Caroming blunders through uh, so the advice of the best of the art of the CEO, we come to another group that needs uh, great and grave help. And even if they don't, you're going to get it anyway. We have entrepreneurs, those uh, uh, energetic people who are bringing forth the new things on whom we depend. By the way, uh, uh, I don't. We don't often get political, but a word on immigration. Uh, did you know that 47.8 percent of all new businesses started in this country were started by first-generation immigrants, people who came and started that business? And you want to send them where? Uh, I'm sorry. All right, enough of that. Uh, entrepreneurs. Uh, of course, we have to begin with quips. Uh, and so, first entrepreneurial quip, there's an investor born every minute. Alas, there are five funding-starved entrepreneurs who are also born within that same period of time. <laughs> oh, yes. I, boy, well do I know that uh, from both ends. Um, number Second quip, entrepreneurs originally choose their niche, but those who survive let their customers reshape it. And uh, that one has more wisdom than hilarity. But uh, re just remember that one. It's a great flaw that for a lot of entrepreneurs. They get stuck. And the third third quip, uh, an entrepreneur is someone who believes she can make a fortune if she only has the right boss. <laughs> yes. How many, how many of those out there? How many of you who have started a business, raise your hand because you just find that you can't work with anybody else? And, uh, oh, well, uh, here's, uh, so a couple of thoughts for the entrepreneur. We, uh, won't go on too long with this because we have much to cover, but, a uh, a very, very wise, uh, and deeply prospective gentleman, Mr. Ralph Wellborn, uh, took, uh, wrote a book called Topple and in, uh, we did a show on it called Topple, Here's What's Next. We talked about how uh, Ralph's idea that basically the old uh, standalone firm is going to go with the dinosaur, and it needs to morph into the collaborative enterprise. And think about this as, as you as an entrepreneur. I want to start my business, you know. Uh, look around at every single person who is dealing with anything you have and find a way to collaborate with them to work with them to bring yourself uh through and uh it's 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 such a a beneficial way because there why not climb on the shoulders of someone who started before there's a thing called a reverse for those of you uh who are in the accounting world one of my best example is the reverse merger and uh I said a reverse merger is kind of like the elephant who allows himself to be swallowed by a, a snake so that he might more easily slither into greener pastures. Basically, for those who don't know, a reverse merger is a firm that wants to get in the public stock exchange, and so it takes an old firm that, that's not really using its trading benefit, its, its exchange benefits are the best. They merge with them, and they, they're able to trade. There's a million ways you can... Uh, there are very few, uh, very few people who are competitors with whom, with whom you cannot find something. They're suppliers. They're, uh, and this is the real key to you as a, as an entrepreneur. Don't, uh, 
Don't hire when you can collaborate. It's just a thought. Work out a beneficial deal for both sides. It's it's something to think of. And uh, we had uh, as a second thought for entrepreneurs. There's there's a new trend, another new trend in the in the midst of the topple, as and that is what we call the membership economy. Uh, we had Robbie Kellerman Baxter on the show, and she came up with this thing, and and she thought this was a whole new way of the of thinking, and I and I argued with her because I didn't buy her idea is that people don't want to buy things and they don't they want to belong to a uh, a membership team that uh, allows you to just sort of rent and purchase, such as uh, the, the Netflix model and the leasing cars and so forth. Now, I argued with, with Robbie that this was just something that was uh, crazy. Uh, I'm sorry, this was marketing. It was just a way, and I said, I feel absolutely no kinship. Uh, I have just gone out and bought a new Toyota of, of late, and after the old one died, and we we, we wept over it and buried it, and um, we, I said, I feel no kinship with any other Toyota owner, and she says yes, but there, and then she came back three years later on the show, and there are scores of new entities that don't sell, that rent, that lease, that uh, make you part owner or or allow you to. Uh, use an item rather than uh, purchase it and uh, have all the responsibilities and care of ownership. And this also happens, my friend, with business services. Business services are uh, a consultant is, in a sense, part of the membership economy. You're hiring, you're taking his expertise and uh, her wisdom. And I think that this you have to be aware of this new trend. And the uh I have a couple one of my, my favorite my favorite entrepreneurs he ever had in the show. There was uh was a fella named Joe Kyola who just he was, to be fair, he was a social media uh expert. That was his trade. He worked uh developing social media for people. But he uh this is probably I I think one of the most successful entrepreneurs in history. He uh in in a way he was looking for a game called watch your mouth now what this really is it's a silly little thing where you put a a form mold in your mouth and then you're given a bunch of tongue twisters to uh read to other people and they have to try to guess what you're saying simple but absolutely hilarious fun it's a great kick i've tried it and uh it's uh it's like hamlet the uh there's great surprises so and fun beyond the title it is a fun game and he was looking for this game it didn't exist so he said well i think i'll start it and so he wrote this he put it out on social media he was such an expert everyone loved the idea it was a lot of young people and a lot of people the, the party people loved it and we are a nation of party people we're a world of party people so long story short within 24 hours joe had over a thousand sales, buys, orders for the Watch Your Mouth game, which was all fine with one small exception. Joe hadn't even started a product. He had no product and nothing. Well, what was his answer? He jumped in, made the product, uh, drew up the plans, 
got some people to help, a copywriter to help make make these the game. Had it made, found a way to have it made in China, and um, I'm going to tell you a little reason later about why China is such a successful manufacturer uh, on on the bidding war. But let's pass that. He got it made, came back, and the people. Uh, Loved it. They kept buying it. He had a quarter million. And when I phoned him a couple months later, he had a quarter million of offers. And he said, "I have to go drive a truck to get them to assemble them." He was going well. Well, what happens? And so here's the. I mean, it's it's a fabulous story. But here's the lesson out of it all. This is what I love. <clears throat> Joe got had the game pirated by Hasbro. He was gonna he would have sold it to them, but they. They pirated it. They took the name and so forth. So what he, Joe is a small entrepreneur on his own, Hasbro's multi, uh, multi-faceted mate, one of the top. Uh, actually, it is. They are one of the top five toy companies on the planet. And so what did they, what did he do? Well, Joe had he couldn't handle himself, but he had contacts. He talked to Jeannie Murphy. And who talked to me? Who had? Uh, who does an accomplished? Um, uh, does the uh, accomplished professional breakfast in Manhattan's with Randy Friedberg, who had uh, the one of the, and also with someone else, Sharon Mann, who has herself an attorney who finds other attorneys. She got Randy to handle the IP. They went up against Hasbro. He got a fabulous settlement. So, in other words. One of the greatest flaws of inventors and entrepreneurs is that they burrow in. They they worry about their product themselves. They don't get out. You need to be social, my friend. So that's uh, that's what it. Uh, so that's the story of um, <clears throat> Joe Ciola and uh, a little something to learn about being able to reach out and find people and create that web. Keep it going, my friend. And uh, as uh, there's one other fellow I want to talk about, Mark Oshima, who uh, uh, he runs a marvelous method of indoor farming. And I we're moving or we're running a little late on time, so all I'm going to say is he does this. He runs this out of he moved into Newark, and what he did was he involved the community and taught through schools about the whole value of food and good diet and indoor farming and gets his people from there. Don't forget to reach out to your community. Look where you live. See where the benefits are. And um, as uh, another anecdote that uh, I think we have time for, I'm going to talk about one of, for me, one of the most fun shows we ever did. This is with Maxwell Shellfish. So here we are sitting on a rough uh, hewn board table amidst sitting on crates amidst piles of oyster shells towering over our heads. Carol Ezzo, our COO, my wife, Lorraine, I, and John Maxwell's family. Now, he's the owner of Maxwell Shellfish, who's been providing garden staters with luscious oysters since Andrew Jackson was president in 1828. We sit here sipping 
uh, our Jackson's Vineyard's own, or that we make, Chateau Bonchance wine, while, uh, and we are feasting off of John's oysters. This is all during the show. We're talking about this. And in the middle of it, John tells how at age seven, his father tied him to the mast and set him sorting freshly dredged oysters. Um learning the family trade. Today, John literally sleeps and wakes with the tides. He truly has business in his blood. And the lesson I like to hear from John is that John is not only the leader, this multi-generation leader of oyster fishing, he also is head of the state's uh, replenishment program, uh, the the government replenishment program and those of various environmental group. He knows that if you're going to be a seven generation family business, you better continue. And if it's going to if you're going to continue in the 10th generation, you can't just rape and run. What do you think, my friend? Has your friend, has your firm learned that lesson not to rape and run? Well, if you have just joined us, we uh you are Enjoying the Art of the CEO's 300th show, which every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time seeps into your waiting ears across the mightily misunderstood realms of cyberspace, where you may listen to this and all our shows by visiting theartoftheceo.com. We are also, by the way, um, great... I'm sorry, we're a part of the C-Suite radio station. We're proud members of that. We're... uh, the business dreams are blown into flame by the fuel of wise innovation from wise masters. So just visit uh, all our Art of the CEO episodes on csuiteradio.com. And we have, oh, there's so much more that I wanted to cover, but I think uh, we're going to talk a bit about, just briefly about communication. And I promised when I wrote this up that, um, that we would talk about a little bit about communication. So we will give... The, uh, the quote for this comes from Bruce Barton of Batten, Barton, Durstein, and Osborne ad agency. He says, the world belongs to the talkers. You can either join them or be left behind. I love that. And for the quips of this, if you have nothing to say, either say nothing or hire yourself out as a keynote speaker. <laughs> or, And the other quip is, technology increases the speed of our communications. I do not say it improves them. And the gentleman I said I would bring on, his name is Greg Williams, the master negotiator. Greg is an absolute expert at body language. We had uh, him, we brought him on at the time of the uh, 2016 election, and we had him study the speeches and body language of Hillary Rodham Clinton and Donald Trump. And what was fascinating was he said, Hillary is was a person with a mission you could read this in her body language she want, she had a, a list of things she wanted to do and you could tell this by the forward thrust of her motion of what she was saying donald trump had when he got up he was uh he had he had many things that, that make him seem forceful but he says the way the giveaway on donald trump's uh body language is that he is always touching himself. He makes those circles with his hands. He keeps a hand on, he puts a hand on a thigh. He is, he's touching himself. He says, this is a move for security. 
when you need security. And I just thought that was a fascinating thing. I pass it on to you. Uh, take a look at your own body language, my friend. And if you want to correct it, don't correct the move. Look into your heart, dig deeper, and say, why am I doing that? Just a thought. Uh, and a couple of things. Uh, oh, how are we doing here? Oh, my goodness. We are running out to the end. Uh, so I will just say uh, one more thing. We had uh, Stephanie Scotty, who was a presentation coach and a marvelous author of Talk on Water, gave what I think is one of the most uh one of the, the wisest things that we all, all forget when we are speaking one to another, she says, consider your role as speaker. Not so much your reason for speaking, but your role. Are you communicating as a motivator, get people to do something, an interpreter, uh, the expert who needs to explain something? Or are you playing the role of catalyst? That is, someone who needs to make things happen. Each demand its own tone. And just think about that. I am sorry, and uh, there is Dale Caldwell's idea about communicating. He says, you have to remember what influence has affected the person to whom you're speaking. That is, if there's, you're not going to change somebody from one political side to the other until you know what validates them. That is, what they think is important. For their being. So, as we round out our marvelous 300th anniversary feast, I am Bart Jackson, your curator of business wisdom, leaving you with my very favorite business thought. Never underestimate the power of a handwritten thank you note. And while we're on the subject of thanks, uh, my special thanks goes out to Miss Jeannie Murphy, head of Mariah Media, who inspired me to go on the radio and encouraged me. Thank you, Jeannie. And to each of my guests, each of them has brought themselves uh, brought themselves something brilliant. Uh, they're, they're so brilliant, they make even this host look good. I thank my coach, Miss Valerie Geller, and a giant blessings to the Prometheus CEO, Miss Carol Ezzo, who acts as my guiding arm, my tech wizard, uh, and my voice of reason, and frankly, Carol, without what you you doing what you do, I, Bart Jackson, would never be able to do what I do or be what I am. And the same may also be said for my wife, Lorraine Jackson, who not only edits her husband's works, she edits him, truly. And um, as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, I have spent four decades traipsing through over 80 nations, interviewing and writing them, and personally getting to know thousands of individuals. And through every encounter, I have never met one individual who was not fascinating with something wise and valuable to share. And to you gleefully sharing our feast, I hope you've enjoyed these 300th anniversary show and all the shows of The Art of the CEO as much as I've enjoyed bringing them to you. And, and, you, may, and remember, you may download this and all our shows by visiting theartoftheceo.com. And finally, to you who have honored us with your time. May I say, all this, all these many shows, it has always been a privilege, and my heartiest thanks to you.